This is a CNA podcast. Can you give us your thoughts on the following in just a few words? Singapore's stock benchmark STI. Stable, dividend paying, sing dollar. Singapore REITs. Very strong flow of dividend. Green bonds. Very good for environment. So definitely is something that we should all embrace. Singapore savings bond. Very good, safe investment for retail investors and flexible. Singapore market versus US market. US market is where you go for growth. Singapore market is where you go for stability. Welcome to Money Talks. I'm your host, Sarah Alcaldi. Ask investors and they'll say the world is full of opportunities. And when it comes to your money, there's no shortage of financial products you could choose from. The U.S. has the world's largest stock exchange. China is always on the table. And there are other emerging markets such as India and Southeast Asia. But what about putting your money in Singapore? Singapore savings bonds were oversubscribed. Big names like Capitaland, DBS, and Singapore Airlines are sought-after shares. But what do we need to know about investing local? Are they always safe bets, and where do you start? Alfred Chia is here to talk about this. He's the CEO of financial advisory firm Sing Capital. Thank you so much, Alfred, for joining us today. It's a pleasure having you on. No, it's really my pleasure. Now, I know you've done financial advisory for more than 30 years. Is that right? I mean, that's a lot of time. Um, yes. Sometimes I'm also amazed. <laughs> yeah. Over the 30 years, what has it been like and what has changed, do you think, especially here in Singapore? Comparing to 30 years ago, definitely people are more mindful about doing financial plans, mm-hmm. how to manage their wealth better and also to invest accordingly. Mm-hmm. Now, before we go at the different options that are available for us, do you think it's worth putting all your investments just in Singapore, just in the country, without having to look at overseas assets, overseas markets? Or do you think you'll lose out by doing this? Actually, we are in a very good spot because of our financial hub. We actually have a lot of opportunities and a lot of channels to invest overseas. Take, for example, you can use a unit trust and you have immediate exposure to the global market depending on what kind of investment combination you choose. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's different investment platform where you can just trade US shares over your mobile phone. Mm -hmm. So actually, the choices for Singaporeans who actually invest overseas, definitely there are tremendous opportunities. Mm. That's interesting because... You mentioned how we can invest overseas and here in the country, we do have those options. But when we look at Singapore stocks in particular and options that we have, Singapore is so developed right now. And I wonder if the biggest jump in Singapore stocks have already been made because we did go from third world to first. But where do we go from here? If you look at the Straits Time Index Mm -hmm. as a reference, It has actually not been doing that fantastically well over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. In fact, some investors find that Singapore market is really very boring, right? I've heard that. uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it doesn't really go too high or too low. It just kind of stays around the same space. Yeah. So actually, our market really is a lot more on value investment mm-hmm. because a lot of the blue chips counters they actually pay very good dividends. I mean, of course, it may not give you that kind of capital gain excitement like the U.S. stocks, but definitely over a long period of time, you can actually earn from the dividends. But another thing that actually attract investor to Singapore market is actually we are based in Sing dollars, mm-hmm. so the currency strength actually give us that mm. edge. So, for example, this year Singapore market is actually one of the best performing market. Mm-hmm. I think it's also because many investors are actually seeking safe haven in mm. terms of the Sing dollars, and because of our listed companies, a lot of the blue chips mm. are actually doing very well. And they are continuing their dividend-paying policies. Mm-hmm. So you mean in times of crisis like we are in right now, when a lot of international markets like the U.S. and China even are seeing their equities go down, Singapore, not so much. We are still able to keep our head above water despite the rest of the world really struggling when it comes to equities. Is that right? Yes, because of the. Conventional business that our stock market comprise of, and also because of the currency. The thing is, the Singapore market doesn't really have a lot of technology or new economy companies, right? We have a lot of banks and property companies, but are you missing out if you don't put your money into these up-and-coming tech names that are usually outside of Singapore? That is the composition of the Singapore market. But I mean, if you look at it now, from 2021 until now, if you look at US Nasdaq market, mm-hmm. it was in a free fall mm-hmm. zone. But comparingly, if let's say you are looking into a Singapore market, in fact, you can still actually see certain positive capital appreciation. Mm-hmm. That is a reflection of the shift in terms of the investors' appetites from a high growth mm-hmm. to conventional value stocks that look for dividends. So actually, for investors, it's about what all these investment instrument can serve your needs. But for Singaporeans, there's another thing very important we need to factor, because actually many Singaporeans travel around the world, whether is it for leisure or for business. But at the same time, don't forget we are holding on to a very strong currency, Sing dollars. So if you want to invest in overseas, you also have to ask yourself this question. What is the currency risk? Mm. If I invest overseas five years, ten years later, even if let's say that investment appreciate, will it be able to cover my currency mm. changes? Yeah, because you do have to sell your Singapore dollar and buy whatever currency that is needed to buy that foreign stock. And in your experience over thirty years, what has that currency risk been like for those who are trying to prepare for retirement or prepare for financial needs that are years or decades down the line? Singapore, we are very unique, right?、Mm-hmm. We are a small island. Everything that we consume come from imports,、mm-hmm. so that's why we have to maintain a currency policies. So, because of these currency policies to combat inflations. And our government have the ability to maintain that kind of strength in terms of our currencies. So therefore, you see that our Sing dollars generally appreciated against most currencies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the very good example is our neighboring country, Malaysia. 
if you have invested, let's say, property in Malaysia, mm. the property may have also appreciated over the last 10, 20 years. But the currency exchanges right. may work in a negative way. Mm-hmm. But for Malaysians to invest in Singapore stocks or even property, mm-hmm. not only they enjoy capital appreciation, they also enjoy currency appreciation. I see. That's an interesting point to consider when you're looking at different types of equities that you put your money into. So in light of that and the fact that Singapore's currency has been strong and the Singapore market may not be jumping up so high, but it is stable, especially in times of crisis. Is it fair to say then that Singapore stocks are particularly for the dividends and value and not really for growth. Basically, don't expect that the stock price will go up so much, but expect the dividends to come your way. Yeah, I mean, of course, for investors, if they are trying to look for a Tesla in yeah. Singapore. Or a Facebook even, right? Yeah, it may be difficult to find. Yeah, even Grab is not even listed here. <laughs> uh, for the companies that are here, to investors, they may find it boring, but actually it's stable. Okay. So actually it's all about what is the investor's choice, mm. especially if we are preparing for retirements and as we age, not that older people, you cannot invest in stocks, but then you have to be more selective. Mm. What kind of stocks you want to put in? You want to actually put into equities that can pay you very good dividends. So that's the picture for Singapore stocks. But what Singapore does have are REITs, real estate investment trusts. And when you buy a REIT, you basically put your money into a company that owns different types of properties, and then you get a part of the property's proceeds. Do you think this is a must-have for investors? Because not every country has REITs the same way Singapore does. Yes, actually, Singapore REITs market is one of the more advanced in the world. And we have a lot of choices from the hospitality, data center, you have logistics, industrial, medical. So there are a lot of choices Mm -hmm. for investors to actually choose. So normally for investors who go for REITs, they are looking again for the stable dividend payout. Mm -hmm. Because by and large, most REITs will invest in properties. Mm-hmm. depending on the different kind of sectors. And they are expected to actually generate rental income. And because for Singapore, most of the REITs have these policies where they actually pay out 90% of their income. So that in order to actually enjoy certain tax concessions. So that's why the REITs holder, the REITs investors, generally can expect to receive all this income. Mm-hmm. And of course, over the long run, if the property actually have capital appreciations, it will be reflected in the REITs price, which they can always sell in the markets. So it sounds like a good investment to you. I think it's a very popular choice for many investors. Of course, every investment, there's always the risk, right? Mm. So for REITs, actually, the risk will be interest rate. Mm. Because for right. REITs, when they buy a property, they will tend to take on leverage. Debt, basically. Yes. So when you take on loans, in a rising interest rate market, then it will increase your cost. Then it will affect your net income. So you won't earn as much from them in that environment. Yes. Hi, I'm Stephen Chia, and I host the new season of our podcast, Heart of the Matter. Join me in getting right to the heart of the headlines as we speak with experts and newsmakers to delve deep into the most talked about news developments. 
Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For those who say don't want to do a whole lot of research when it comes to individual companies or individual REITs even, they can turn to exchange-traded funds or ETFs. You can put your money in a group of companies when you buy an ETF. What's interesting is... While being in Singapore, we can invest in other countries through ETFs that are on the Singapore exchange. What's your sense of the choices that we have for Singapore-listed ETFs? ETF is a form of passive investments. So it's for investors to actually, okay, take for example, let's say you want to buy a Singapore ETF. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have $10,000. So you are torn, right? Are you going to buy DBS, which you cannot even buy 1,000 shares? Or you want to buy Singtel? So then as investors, you may say, okay, I will go for ETF because it's a combination of all these STI indexes. Mm -hmm. But you are still actually doing a passive investments in a sense that the STI must go up for your investments to appreciate. Mm -hmm. Compared to a unit trust Mm -hmm. where there's a fund manager that do in this thing called active management. Because they may actually adjust the allocations depending on the market outlook to increase in certain sectors or reduce in certain sectors. But by and large, there is also the cost that you need to factor in. ETF generally have a low expense ratio compared to a unit trust. So every investment, there are pros and cons. But you are right. Many investors don't spend enough time to do homework. (laughs) That's why we try to figure out as best as we can what options are best for us. One popular investment recently is the Singapore Savings Bond, which basically you lend money to the government for 10 years, you get a fixed interest rate, and that goes up every year that you hold this bond. And the returns for the August issue was at an all-time high, but that won't always be the case, I would imagine. Do you think it is worth jumping into Singapore Savings Bonds? This is really meant for the retail investors Mm -hmm. because you can start savings with as little as $500. Mm -hmm. And it's actually very flexible. You can withdraw it at any time. But of course, you have to keep it for 10 years. The possible downside about it is that you can't really put in as much as you like. I see. First, there is a 200,000 limit for each investors. But every issue, you also have to bid. So, for example, the last issue was so overwhelmed, I believe each investor could only get up to $9,000. I see. So, as much as it's an attractive, safe kind of investment, Mm -hmm. it's not that you want to put in $50,000, $80,000, you can do so. Because it also depends on the tranche that's being offered. Yeah, but why put money in a Singapore savings bond versus, say, equities or other financial instruments that you can hold for the long term and maybe you could see even bigger gains? I think most of the investors are generally more risk-averse, risk-conservative because investing in the equity market, you actually need to have a lot of homework being done. You Mm. also need to have the time durations and a lot of time investors actually invest based on hearsay. So when they have a negative experience in the equity market, Mm -hmm. they tend to shut off from that. But that is also because the way the investment was being done was not in the proper manner. Mm -hmm. 
So that's why for FD, for safe kind of bonds, investments, mm. it has always been a very strong attraction for many investors. Mm. But is it the right type of investments mm. over the long run that can serve your financial goals? It may not really help for people to do so. So example, Singapore Savings Bonds has gotten a lot of attractions mm. because the average 10-year yield is about 2.8%, which is higher than a lot of the bank's fixed deposit. But based on the recent core inflation data of 4.4%, mm-hmm. you are actually not growing your money. Mm. The value of the money is being eroded because of inflation. So in order to grow your money, you must at least invest in uh, investment combinations that can beat the inflation. Mm. So it sounds like you're not really too excited about the Singapore savings bond, despite the hot reception that it has had in the past few months. Oh, no, actually, I'm excited. I would like to also put money in the SSB, <laughs> mm-hmm. but as part of my investment combination. Mm. Because in a good investment combination or investment portfolio, you need to have a combination, allocation of the safe and the more volatile kind of investment so that overall you can get a better investment return. Mm -hmm. There are other government bonds as well and we recently saw Singapore's first sovereign green bond where you lend money to the government for green projects in particular. I know there are more green bonds that are on the way. What's your take on this? Because the most recent sovereign green bond is for 50 years, isn't it? So how does that work and what's the value in looking into something like this? I think the green bond is an excellent idea, especially for many of us, very much want to protect the environments. Mm. For example, my wife, (laughs) she will make sure she recycle many things. (laughs) And she always remind the whole family to off the electricity when not in use. So I think it resonates to many people who are really trying to save the earth. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe we take a step back. Actually, government has also been providing options for retail investors in terms of the bond investments. Mm. So you have the T-bill, which is a very short-term kind of Singapore government securities. Mm -hmm. It's about six months to one year. Then you have the Singapore government securities bonds, which range from two years up to 50 years. So the bonds itself will be actually put into things like market developments or infrastructures and example, the green bonds. Mm-hmm. You can even say because it's issued by Singapore government, it's a really, really, really very low risk. Mm. And of course, the yield average is about 3% if you factor in the sing dollars kind of stability, which is actually a very attractive investment. Mm. Plus, you know your money is actually lending to projects mm. that is doing good for the climate, adaptations, yeah, things like that. But the thing about green bonds that I'd like to understand is after they issue this green bond, they raise the money that they need for the projects, right? And then these bonds can still be bought or sold in the market. So if, let's say, I come in two months later or one month later trying to buy this green bond, my money doesn't really go to the green project. Mm. It just goes to another investor. So how does my investment help the green project? Because in a sense, they already got the money that they needed. Singapore government securities bonds is from two years to 50 years. It's a very long time horizon. Mm. But what if the investors need to actually cash out or need to change for cash? 
So that is where the secondary market comes into play so that it let the investors have a platform to actually encash their investment. So with this kind of ecosystem, then the investors will be more willing mm -hmm. to actually participate in the primary market. I see, I see. Because if they want their money back, they can sell it to me and I can just buy that bond from them. Then it gives the first batch of people more confidence to go in and put money into these green projects. Absolutely. But of course, do be mindful. There will always be certain risks involved mm -hmm. because if, let's say, you need to cash out in the wrong timing, mm. you may actually suffer certain financial losses. Yeah, always comes with risk, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Before we end this chat, Alfred, I really want to know what's one thing that Singapore investors should keep in mind as they start or as they continue in their investment journey in the Singapore market? I think it's important to recognize what is your financial goal. It could be saving up the down payment for your property, which is a very important thing for many of us, whether it's a HDB or a private properties. Then when you identify the financial goal, then that is where you will be able to navigate how to actually get into that goal. Well, thanks so much for your insights, Alfred. Really appreciate it. So good points there on how Singapore is in a unique position when it comes to the local market and that the Singapore equity market in particular is quite stable with good dividends and it provides value for investors even though we don't have a whole lot of growth stocks. But the Singapore dollar as well has an edge when it comes to the strength of its currency. Thank you so much, Alfred. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Money Talks. The team behind this podcast is Jacqueline Chan, Joanne Chan, Daniel Lee, and Crispina Robert. We've got a refreshed slate of audio material you can listen to on your commute or your workout. Go to the CNA website or app, look for the listen button, and subscribe to the podcasts you like. If you have thoughts, ideas, or even stories you'd like to share, please write to us. The details are in our episode notes. Till next time, this is Sarah Alcaldi. Caldi.